Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sunday the 29th of December, 1969, at roughly 10.30am. When questioned, Alec Yannick's told the police, Nora left me the day before I went back to work. I got up, made coffee. I took her a cup in bed and said good morning. She did not answer. That day, after 12 years together, even though she had fled a brutal marriage in Mansfield to live a happier life with a quiet, bookish little man who loved her without question, their relationship would come to an end. In the sitting room of their ground floor flat at Kendall Villas in Chiswick, she was putting on her makeup. I asked her if she was going out. She told me she was leaving for good. I told her I didn't want to witness her going. So I put on a coat and walked to the Gunnersby Roundabout and then to Kew Bridge. When I returned to the flat, it was getting dark and Nora had gone. That was the story Alec told to the police. Only none of it was true. Alexander Leonard Yannix was not a monster, but the epitome of meek. Described by everyone who knew him as conscientious, meticulous, and a perfectionist in his work, in his life, he was passive, unassuming and quiet. A man who would rather suffer all manner of inconveniences than speak up for himself. As without a violent streak or an angry bone in his body, he lived his life as a very gentle man. Born on the 5th of August 1927, in Riga, Latvia, being six years younger than Nora, they never met. In 1943, following the death of his father, a Latvian Air Force officer who was killed by the invading Russian forces. Age 16, Alec was enlisted into the Luftwaffe, 
which was not to say that he was a Nazi at heart. As with Latvia under German control, you either volunteered to fight and die, or were imprisoned, then shot. As a young, timid, and ultimately expendable paratrooper, Alec was sent into the heart of many brutal and often suicidal battles on the Eastern Front, where it was a miracle that this bookish little boy survived. Captured by the Russian army in March 1945, he was imprisoned in several concentration camps for months, where he was tortured and starved. As with so many survivors, you may think that the trauma of war turned the meek into a monster. But being good to the core, although plagued by nightmares, he made the best of a bad situation. And in July 1946, having made his way to a displaced persons camp in Germany, he was given a work visa for Britain. Aged 21, having fought for his country, now he had nothing. Except for the ragged clothes on his back, the meager meal in his belly, a few coins in his pockets, and whatever courage he could muster. Forced to start again, although he was intelligent and fluent in English, Polish, Russian and Latvian, as a refugee, he was only permitted to do the most menial of jobs for a pittance, but still he fought on. As a good man with a big heart, what Alec wanted most was a quiet and loving life. In July 1948, Alec married Ingrid Labersdorf, and the two moved to Mansfield in Nottinghamshire while he worked as a miner at the Thorsby Colliery. It wasn't a job he was physically suited to, but keen to provide for his wife, and in 1950 and 52, two children, Linda and Robert, he did what he had to. Only this was not a relationship which was built on trust. As Linda would later admit, my father told me that he'd been trapped into marriage because he was told that he was the natural father of the unborn child even though Ingrid was already a few months pregnant by a German soldier before they tied the knot. Desperate to make a go of it, although they separated four times, as an exhausted miner who worked 16-hour shifts six days a week, it wasn't his work that split them. In March 1956, Ingrid was sentenced to six months in prison for what the Birmingham Post described as the children were seen to eat potato peelings, cat food, dog biscuits, and licking out tins. Admitting neglect, although the children were unwashed and ragged, they weren't malnourished as the neighbors had taken pity on them. As a good man, it broke Alec's heart to see his family split apart. And although he tried to care for them and hold down a full-time job, that same year, being unable to keep up his payments, 
he too was sentenced to 45 days in prison and with a ward of court issued. Aged just four and two, Linda and Robert were put into care. Upon his release in Easter 1956, being broke, lonely and homeless, Alec moved in with two of his closest friends in Mansfield, with one being a fellow miner called Alexander, and the other being his rather flirtatious wife, called Nora. It's true that Nora wanted Alec to live with them as a lodger, to protect her from her husband's brutal fists, but also because she liked him. Alec would confess, During the Easter of 1956, I went to a party. There I met Mrs. Essence, who promptly seduced me that evening. She told me she'd wanted me for a long time, She offered me a room in their house, and we became lovers. Her husband knew this, but did not object. She was a very attractive woman, Mrs. Essence, who enjoyed flirting, and to my knowledge, she'd had several affairs on the side, and so did her husband. After the court case, at which Alexander Essence was charged with his wife's assault, Nora and Alec moved out, and although, as old friends, Alec and Alexander wrote to each other on a regular basis, Alexander and Nora never spoke again until he tried to divorce her, which failed, as she was dead. With their past behind them, their bright future ahead started badly. As just one month later, and in an incident weirdly similar to what would happen to Nora four years later, Alec was hit by a scooter. Hospitalized for several weeks, I lost the vision in my left eye. I was registered disabled owing to a back injury, and I had to give up my job at the colliery. As an unemployed man with one eye, an inability to lift heavy objects, and having never learned to drive, with Nora unable, or as some say, unwilling to work, it was all down to Alec. It was while working as a machine assistant at a printer's that Alex's persistence paid off. As after four years of corresponding with Dennis Green, a respected aviation author, that a new opportunity arose. In February 1967, given his knowledge of aircraft and his mastery of the languages, Alec, as a good and kindly man, who although shy was impossible to dislike, got a job as an aviation and military editor at McDonald's & Co. Publishing at 49 Poland Street in Soho. Having come from nothing, he had turned his hobby into a job, his passion into a career, and as a gentleman whose one good eye was perpetually engrossed in military reference books, 
it was the perfect job, as he was meek, calm, and meticulous. Alec had built a wonderful new life for them both. But there was one problem, and that was Nora. In February 1967, I moved to London, while Nora stayed in Nottingham. I'd visit her every weekend, where she accused me of not trying hard enough. So although he was paying for his bedsit and hers, she didn't like staying there because of the presence of a young woman. Nora was often very quarrelsome. She picked on me for trivial things and accused me of making eyes at other women. None of this was true. In June 1967, 11 years into their relationship, they moved to 22 Table Court in Cheam. She didn't work a single day. She was supported by me, her benefits, and maintenance payments from her husband. And yet, although half-blind and disabled, Alec earned for both of them, as she did nothing. But with nothing to keep her mind occupied, her unwarranted jealousy only got worse. The first serious trouble occurred when a German friend of mine came to see me with his wife. Nora accused me of making eyes at her, but this was totally untrue. Which was ironic, as with her being so blunt and domineering, and him being so shy and nervous, I found it hard to sexually satisfy her. So when her love for him would begin to wane, if indeed it was even there, looking for love, she would vanish without a trace. Described by those who knew her as promiscuous and highly strunk, she drank too much, she liked to party, and as a popular woman, she was not ashamed to tell Alec of her many men friends who kept her in fine clothes, money and gifts, and with whom she had affairs with in London and Surrey. The second trouble occurred when she found some pin-up girly magazines amongst my aircraft files. Coming in, just shy of midnight and half drunk, she accused me of collecting porn. She said that I was no good as a man in bed. And then she attacked me with a kitchen knife and a kettle of boiling water. I was cut around the face. One of my wrists was scalded. I was bleeding from a wound to my right eye and the back of my neck and hands. I tried to restrain her, but couldn't and ran out of the flat. Being 13 miles from London, I walked to St Mary's Hospital in Paddington, where I was treated for my injuries. As proven by the doctor and several stitches. And being too afraid to go home, he stayed in a hotel 
I went back to work wearing dark glasses. Everyone in the publishers saw his wounds. But with him being such a quiet man, they didn't ask him about it. And being keen to return to his normal life, I phoned Nora at the flat and she said I could come home if I wanted to. And so I went back. It was about this time that his employer sought out a psychiatrist. But with Nora still as violent as always towards him. When she vanished for days on end, although he actually missed her, it was that which gave him relief. As confirmed by his colleagues, Alec would state, It was after this time that she began visiting me at the office. She just sat there, watching me work and the people I was talking to. She'd set her mind on the idea that I was having an affair with the office girl. But there was no truth in it at all. Even his boss, James McGibbon, stated... He confided in me that he was having a very bad time with his wife, who was a most neurotic woman. Three times he arrived at work with bruises, scratches, black eyes, and said that Nora had done it. On the 14th of August 1968, while crossing the street, Nora was hit by a scooter. Treated by Dr. Lionel Cleveland at the Charing Cross Hospital, he found no breaks and no fractures, and although no evidence of the injury existed four months later when she was murdered, she used it to her advantage. Being supposedly bedbound, but able to leave when it suited her needs, insisting that Alec become her carer, to cook, to clean, and to act like a skivvy to assuage her every whim. With him confined to the flat where she could keep an eye on him. When he was at work, she would harass him by phone. From September 1968, although he had moved her to Kendall Villas in Chiswick, a flat better suited to her supposed mobility issues. She became more aggressive, possessive, and vanished more often. With no friends to confide in, Alec wrote letters to Klaus Henk, an old buddy in Berlin, as well as Alexander Essens in Mansfield. In them, Alec stated, All I wanted, in all of my heart, was peace. And that, since we'd lived together, it has been a dog's life. In December 1968, needing a break, Nora checked into room 16 at Latvia House in Bayswater, as she'd done several times before. Alex said, I didn't object because our relationship had cooled off and I could see that she'd made up her mind to start a different life. All I asked was to make the break as quickly as possible 
and depart as friends. So out of kindness, he invited her over for Christmas. She arrived on Tuesday the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. The winter was bitterly cold, as a hard frost bit early, and a low fog smothered the frozen ground, as up to 10 centimetres of snow covered large parts of the southeast of England. With his back prone to more severe aches and pains in the colder months, he had no intention of going out. I had a few days off, and I was hoping to spend these in peace at home. Reading a book on aviation in front of a roaring fire. Having taken too many days off work to act as Nora's carer, Alec had no money to buy a Christmas tree or decorations. So that year, the flat was as joyless as the air between them. As Nora lay there, wearing a blue slip, her pink woolen housecoat, and if and when she ever got out of bed, a pair of blue slippers. Christmas Eve was also Nora's 48th birthday. Alex said, I brought her a small bunch of flowers. She was disappointed with my gift. As she sat staring at it, glaring like it was made of poison. I offered to take her out for a drink, Alex said. But all she did was grumble, complaining this was the bleakest birthday ever. On Christmas Day, they awoke, lying separately in twin beds. And although again she grimaced with a face like a smacked ass at the meagre but thoughtful gift he had given her, she had given him nothing. By that point, our relationship was cool, and we only just managed to tolerate each other. So looking to escape those four walls for at least an hour, and to sing some free booze and maybe some free nibbles. They headed upstairs to the flat of their landlady, Dr. Streechy, in a pleasant little party, at which Nora bitched about everything. Boxing Day was a washout, as all Alice could recall was, I cooked a meal, we stayed in, but didn't argue. He didn't even have any alcohol to drown his sorrows, so the 27th was no better. She spent most of it in bed. The only time she got up was to ask me if I'd cooked anything. You've not done enough shopping, she said. And yet the 28th was even worse. I asked Nora to come out for a drink. She laughed in my face and said, You have no money. She said I could not afford the drinks she liked. She said she knew people who knew how to treat her as a lady. And I said, If you know those people, 
Why don't you leave me and go? But she laughed in my face and repeated, I'm going when I'm good and ready. I didn't want to argue, so I stayed up reading in the other room. It had been a dreadful Christmas, which marked for him 12 years of misery and abuse. Sunday the 29th of December 1968 was the day that Nora died. In his first statement, Alec told the police, I got up, made coffee. I took her a cup in bed. I said good morning. She did not answer. Although in conflict with his earlier statement, her autopsy would show that she didn't get dressed and she didn't put on her makeup. As still in the bedclothes she would be murdered in, everything Alex said about going for a walk was a lie. In his confession, Alex said, She was sitting up in bed while I was hoovering. This was midday and she was taunting me all the time as being as threatening and vulgar as she always was. She spat at him, I'll see you ruined, and licking a nigger's ass. As with Alec, her faithful servant, failing to please her, she barked, Can't you work any faster? I did not answer. I just kept quiet. Alec didn't like to argue, as being meek and mild. Instead, he put his head down and gritted his teeth. A few hours later, she fell asleep, which was the festive blessing he'd been waiting for. Only it didn't last. When she woke up, she demanded an omelette made of a dozen eggs. I tried to break 12 eggs and to make it in two pans. She was sitting up in bed and she said, What is that? I said, That's the omelette you wanted. She shouted, You stupid fool, you can't do anything right. So far, it had been an argument as ordinary as any other. But after so much abuse, both physical and mental, Alec was about to snap. At the beginning, I was silent. But then I began to answer back. 
I went out of the bedroom, and Nora got out of bed. She screamed, You are nothing but a bastard, and your mother was nothing but a whore. That made him mad. But then, everybody has a breaking point, and his she was about to reach. Upon several neat shelves were his treasured possessions. His medals, his photos, the letters from his daughter. As well as the one thing that many people said he loved, even more than he loved Nora. As neatly arranged in alphabetical order were his aviation reference books. They were this meek man's passion. And she knew that. She shouted, This is all you're interested in. Books! And I'll see you have none of this left. As she started to pull them off the shelves and tear them up. Everything he had worked for, everything he had sacrificed for her, she was destroying. Alec would confess. At that moment, I couldn't control myself any longer. Between us was a broken air pistol which was lying on the bookshelf. I grabbed it by the barrel and hit her on the back of the head with the butt. She spat in my face. I couldn't control myself and started hitting her. I don't know how many times. The butt plate broke. I must have gone mad, as while she was falling, I hit her again. There was blood all over the carpet. I listened for a heartbeat. It was there, but it was weak. Then I just sat down and cried. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to call for an ambulance, but it was too late. I wanted to call for the police, but who would believe me? And now, Nora was dead. Alec was alone in his flat his girlfriend's dead body at his feet, and the weapon in his hand. What was I to do? he asked himself. So being desperate, even to hide her from himself, I dragged her between the two beds, and I covered her up with a sheet and pushed the beds together. He didn't know if anybody had heard them fight, so just in case... I tidied up as much blood as I could with newspapers. I wrapped the air pistol in some rags and put them in a carrier bag. Then I went to work without sleeping a wink and ditched the pistol in a rubbish bin near Chiswick bus station. But still, in the flat, was her body. 
I didn't know what to do, as he wasn't a maniac or a monster. Alec Yannix was a small, slim man with a blind eye and a disabled back, who struggled to walk more than a mile, let alone move the stiffening corpse of a nine-stone woman to a place where he could bury her without being seen. He couldn't pull up the floorboards, as the landlady would hear. Turnham Green was too public and open to dispose of her, and he didn't have access to the cellar or the garden. He couldn't trust anyone to help him. He didn't know anyone who would. He had no skills in butchery. He got queasy when he had a nosebleed. And he didn't drive or own a car. And although seasoned detectives would assume that Nora's body was disposed of by a monster, everything he did was for the very first and the very last time as this had all been a tragic accident. He had to get rid of her, but how? As the only skill he had was as a bookworm who was meticulous. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <sighs> Not terrible. Not terrible. Not terrible. Well, there we go, folks. Oh, let's hope I can edit this okay. Oh, it's evening. It's evening. I don't normally edit in the evening. I don't normally record in the evenings because I'm too tired. I'm going to take your little hat off. There we go. Um, but uh, that I, I wrote that episode quite quickly. It, it takes me a day to write that episode. Normally, in the old days, it used to take five days to write an episode. Now I'm getting better at writing, learning to write and piecing everything together and not making it, making it flow properly and not worrying about stuff too much. So that just took me a day to write, which is a fucking miracle for me um so yeah so i got to the point i just thought maybe i'll record it tonight and i thought i thought it's a good thing to do but then i realized it's evening and the little annoying little shitty parakeets are out and going nee, 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 nee. so i have to edit those out and my neighbor who's had their engine on most of the day had switched it off so i thought it's a good time to nip in i'll just nip in now record and try and get this done before the, the twats come along on their bikes uh to and from on the, along the canal and then just as i started recording my neighbor put their engine back on if you're wondering why the world is in a shit situation and why why we've got environmental problems, I think it's my neighbour. I think it's entirely my neighbour. They just engine on all the time. No, don't get it. Anyway, I, I was I thought I'd get it done because tomorrow, da, 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 tomorrow, which is um, thirty days has September, April, June, and the thirty first of January. Yeah, I'm three I'm, I'm three weeks ahead uh, already. Um, uh, PCAG is, is turning up to my little boat so that's very good so I'm looking forward to that we will be recording some new new blue which is all very exciting so this will be season three new blue you had PCAG in season one then you had John and Sally in season two and then uh, I decided to get PCAG back for three so uh, what I'll do there'll be th- hopefully a three-part episode um, and I'll put them out in uh, July-ish because I, I will be going away in July on holiday how exciting how exciting michael you're going away on holiday three holidays this year the curse oh i mean it is the curse of my 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 folks now live in france so i'm because they're getting old i'm trying to make sure i see them as much as i possibly can it's a pig to go and see them before it used to take two hours now it takes uh, it's a real nightmare to go go and see them and i can only see them in short windows because there's only one flight in a week really annoying they've picked the worst place to go to but then again they probably wanted to get away from me um so that's good and then going away with my brother and his family in summer and then i'm going away to uh albania with some mates uh in uh end of the year so that'll be great all good fun so uh yeah uh but tonight i think uh, i'm gonna clean up the boat so it's nice and clean for pcag PCAG deserves a clean boat and I'm going to finish my curry mm, I made myself a nice curry maybe I'll go for a little walk maybe I need a little walk or maybe I'll do it tomorrow maybe I should clean the boat first <sighs> and finish my curry anyway anyway, have I said welcome to Extra Mile this is Extra Mile, the un- unscripted, unedited bit which is, the only blessing is I don't have to edit this crap I just leave all the crap in and everyone goes, oh, I like the crap. And I go, oh, great. There's more crap to come. So uh, there we go. Uh, If you've not uh, listened to this, I mean, it's weird. If you've not listened to this before, why have you started with part three? 
doesn't make any sense. Go back, go back and listen to part one. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be listening to part three. Some people do that. Some people message me and go, I didn't understand the story. And I go, what story? And they go, uh, part three. And I go, uh, or they go, they'll tell me the episode number. And then I go, that's that's a multi-party. You've started in the middle. And they go, oh, well, it was, the, it was the latest one. Or they'll listen to three parts of a four-parter. And then they'll message me going, I didn't understand it. And I go... Well, have you heard all of it? Yeah. Well, the final part is now, yeah. Uh, well, well, you didn't say that. Oh, some people, some people. Anyway, anyway, such is life, such is life. Um, so, yeah, I hope you're enjoying this series so far. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's interesting one, isn't it? Interesting one. So, um, let me do some quiz questions, then we'll dive into some extra stuff in the episode. You know what's going to happen? The second I finish this, next door neighbour's going to switch off their engine. You'll probably hear it in the background. I'll, I might edit it out. I'll try and edit it out. No parakeets. No parakeets, no coots. Really annoying. Um, so let's do this. Let's do the quiz questions and we'll do the answers at the end. So, what was Alexander Yannick's middle name? Did you spot it? It was right at the start. Don't forget, folks, I haven't edited this episode yet. So, uh, I may edit out some of the things that become quiz questions, but because extra mile isn't edited there we go i can't edit it out question number two what job did his, did his father do i was about to give you the answer then you could tell i'm really tired question number three what was alex's first known job in the uk question number four what was the newspaper which reported ingrid's neglect of the children question number five in that same article uh, what three foodstuffs were Ingrid and Alex's children said to be eating? Uh, question number six. What similar accident happened to Alex and Nora? Question number seven. What job did Alex do after he... Uh, hang on. Oh, I was gonna pick, oh, I'm going to put on my little woolly hat because it's bloody cold this evening. Hang on. Uh, what job did Alex do after he was registered disabled, but before he became a book editor? You know what? I haven't written that in. I'm going to write that in, just in case I forget, because I'm going to remember it now, but maybe I'll forget it in a bit. There we go. Uh, question number eight. Uh, Nora attacked Alex because he, uh, because what was hidden amongst his books? And the final question, I've only done nine for these. Uh, question number nine, what hospital were, were Alex's wounds treated at? So there we go, there we go. Uh, let's dive into some stuff, some extra stuff that um, may not fully be in the episode. So uh, uh, Alex said, uh, in 1956 I was working at Thorsby Colliery uh, in Nottinghamshire as a coalface worker. Don't worry, that's not a quiz question. Uh, I was married at the time and I was living at West Hill Drive, Mansfield with my wife. At this time, I was living apart from my wife. In the early 1950s, I met... His timelines are a little bit skew-iffy, so I've had to kind of correct them slightly. I had met Mr and Mrs Essens, which is Alexander and Nora, a Latvian couple who lived uh, a West Hill Drive at the same time. Mrs Essens was all... Um, Mr. Essence, not Mrs. Essence, Mr. Essence was also a coalface miner employed at the Allerton Colliery. Uh, I had a social, con social friendly contact with the Essences because they were the same nationality as myself. Since 1950, my marriage was breaking down and my wife and I had separated three or four times. Uh, so, um, 
across those years, uh, Alec and Alexander worked at several collieries, but uh, because they were local miners and because they were Latvian, they kind of got to know each other and became good mates. Um, hence why, even though the relationship had broken up between uh, Nora and Alexander and uh, you know, um, Alec and Alexander st- still kind of became mates, still were mates and kind of stayed there as well, stayed kind of chums. Um, so Alec and Ingrid had two children. There was Linda, born in May 1950, and Robert two years later. Um, it was said that Ingrid was already pregnant by a German soldier when they married. Um, that came from uh, Linda, who said that in her statement to the to the police. Uh, we got in the in the police file and the court records. There's loads of different statements, so you're able to kind of pick these pieces apart. Um, uh, in 1954, when they were taken into care, Linda was four and Robert was only two. Um, at that time, the, the, the family relationship was really break, breaking down. Um, Linda and Robert went into foster care with Mr and Mrs Field at Linwood Manor in Market Rays in Lincolnshire. Um, she had no, Linda had no contact with her father's father until she was 18. Um, uh, she said that Ingrid uh, neglected them quite a lot. Uh, this could have been a post-war thing it, it might not be a, just a, a bad person thing don't forget people are coming out of years of trauma and then suddenly they have to go back to living normal lives and like and th- there was no real mental health system then it was kind of like who oh, book up your ideas that kind of thing or always always i th- remember my grandma saying uh that you go to the doctors and they'd, they'd recommend smoking and you go well done well done okay i'll, I'll problems with your they call it nerves you got problems with your nerves fine here go and get some cigarettes oh well done and give yourself lung cancer while you're at it um so as mentioned the same year 1956 uh so uh alec yannix uh was sentenced to 45 days in prison for non-payment of maintenance um, we don't know a huge amount of that, but it seemed to happen at around the same time that his wife was uh, put in prison for six months for uh, child neglect. So it was in and around the same time. So it was really, it must have been horrible for the children because, you know, that their mum goes into prison and then because of non-payment of maintenance, the court goes, right, then we'll put in the father as well. And you go, but they need, they need a parent there but obviously this is the courts and the courts go no 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 we need to make sure that they um that uh just uh that the, the the law is done as they always do as they always do rather than thinking thinking sensibly um i'll read a little bit of the article from the newspaper that i'm not going to mention because that's one of the quiz questions but that this was on the 10th of march 1955 it says mother sentenced to six months children ate garbage and licked tins the children of a Latvian woman has been has been seen to eat one thing, uh, another thing, another thing, and to lick out empty tins. So there you go, quiz questions. The mother, Ingrid Yannix, 27, of West Hill Drive in Mansfield, admitted neglecting the children in a manner likely to cause them unnecessary suffering. suffering. She was sentenced to six months in prison. The bench made a place of safety order in respect to the children. That means to make sure that... Um, Children were taken out of the family and moved somewhere where they'd be safe, i.e. in foster care. The children's clothing is poor. Uh, Mrs. Dawson said, we don't know who Mrs. Dawson is, but I think Mrs. Dawson lived there as well, one of the tenants. Mrs. Dawson said there is evidence uh, they only received one meal a day. They are frequently unwashed. 
Uh, they were not, however, malnourished, as other people in the house had taken pity on them. So that was the, the article that we got some of these things from. Sometimes there's not a lot in the in the police files that covers a lot of the details, so sometimes actually news articles can be quite good. Um, Alex's accident. So this was May 1964. I won't mention what the accident is because I think that's another quiz question. But he said, I lost my vision in my left eye. Um... Uh, by that time, Mrs. Essence, that's Nori, keeps calling her Mrs. Essence, has settled into a flat in Manchester. When I came out of hospital, I began visiting Mrs. Essence at the flat. <coughs> uh, I would like to add that after my accident, I became dis disabled and I had to give up my job at the colliery and I became unemployed. We're not exactly too sure what his injury was he definitely had uh, he definitely became blind in his left eye and had a back injury but we don't know exactly what it was but it was bad enough that he had to be registered disabled uh as we know it was around this time that uh with nora and uh um alexander essens kind of uh the argument that was going on that led to the court case i didn't go back over it in this episode because i kind of felt that we'd already kind of covered it in the previous one uh, so, uh, we'll read this um, this was from uh, Alec Yannix he, he said although I was at home most of the time this is when he's registered disabled Mrs Essence did complain that I didn't give her a key to the flat and this led to unnecessary arguments I tried to pick up the threads of our relationship but was not very successful eventually Mrs Essence and I decided to live together and we found a small smack a small flat in Nottingham in Union Street um, at that point he managed to get himself a job which is one of the quiz questions uh, we lived together at 16 Corporation Oaks in Nottingham but Mrs Essence didn't like being there because of the presence of a young woman who was a prostitute for some reason Mrs Essence thought that I was interested in her so for peace of mind we moved this seems to be a current thing that seems to be happening quite a lot uh, we won't mention about the job in um, uh, Soho because we kind of cover that and we're going to go into that a little bit more next time because that kind of becomes quite important which is why I've mentioned it a lot it becomes important later on uh, what else we got um, we will mention more about this in the next episode as well that um, um, Alec is very much trying to rebuild I've, I've referenced it slightly in here that he's trying to rebuild the relationship with his daughter um when it's at her 18th birthday he he actually is a oh, my neighbors have just switched off their engine that's really annoying you can kind of, you kind of hear there's peace and quiet now oh you utter bastards oh. although the irony is I, I, if I would have waited till the morning I would have started in the morning and they would have switched on their engine but there we go um, well yeah the, uh, we'll, we'll deal with that next week uh, Cheem when they moved to Cheem obviously uh, she's already um, she's already really going downhill fast um, um, Ali Yannick said during all the time we were at Cheem Mrs Essence didn't work at all and was fully supported by me uh, although she used to get maintenance payments from her husband and national assistance which was benefits um, uh, the first serious trouble occurred when a German friend of mine came to see me that was Cl uh, Klaus Henk who I mentioned in the letters earlier on um, I, as far as I remember Klaus Henk was 
I think he was best man at the at the wedding between uh, Alec Yannix and Ingrid. I think I haven't got my notes in front of me, so it might not be. As always mentioned in here, she's constantly ripping into him because uh, saying that he's not able to sexually satisfy her. As we've kind of seen in the story, she's a lot of people say that she's quite promiscuous. She's highly strung, uh, a lot of time to herself, and she's always going out partying and drinking and uh, meeting young men. And as it says here, when she got happy, she would lift her skirt. Um, he said uh, that he wasn't able to sexually satisfy her um a because he's quite a shy and nervous man she's quite domineering um but also uh, he was injured during fighting during the on the eastern front uh, and he he said my virility was impaired so we we don't really know how he was injured on the western front but obviously you know it could be a physical injury it could be a mental injury oh god it's really annoying that it's so quiet now it's really annoying really annoying um but there we go. I, I I live on a boat, so what what am I to expect? If I lived in a flat or somewhere, I probably have neighbours playing really crappy music. Um, uh, Eleanor had lo- oh Nora had loads of men friends uh, who kept her in fine clothes, fancy meals, and gifts. Uh, she was a popular girl as well as uh, her men men friends giving her money. Uh, she was flirtatious and given to bouts of exhibitionism. This is what it says here. And would often tease men by pretending to strip. Um, apparently, uh, I, as mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, it, it was unclear in the documentation whether she's of Greek origin or whether because she married a Greek man, therefore she became kind of of Greek relationships i don't know i don't really know how to phrase that but uh so therefore a lot of the men that she was seeing were other greek men in either soho although he didn't really say where in soho uh or other parts of surrey uh, i may have edited this out the episode i may have kept it in she had a, she had a tendency of selling his possessions without telling him like he would have possessions in the house things that he really liked and then he'd just turn up one day and they'd be gone she would she would uh flog them off uh to make herself a little bit of cash um as mentioned in the episode quite violent as well so um he would stay i can't remember what uh, i was cut around the eye one of my wrists was scalded and i was bleeding from a wound to my right eye and heavy scratches to the back of my head and neck and hands I tried to restrain her but couldn't and had to run out of the flat at midnight. Um, as mentioned, this was this was confirmed by... Um, he did actually go to Paddington, but then he had to go back to his nearer hospital, which was St. Helier Hospital in Carshalton, where Dr. Rowland confirmed that on the 26th of June 1967, uh, Alec was treated uh, as a result of a domestic issue with a woman. He had a cut over his right and left eyebrows and superficial scalds to his left forearm. Uh, he needed stitches and attended as an outpatient across 67 and 68. Um, and he did, uh, when for that week when he didn't want to, when he fled, uh, he stayed at the Cardiff Hotel in Paddington, which is still there today. That's uh, 5 to 7 Norfolk Square, just off Hyde Park. Uh, what else we got? Um, la, 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 la. 
We've already referenced her disappearing a lot. That's kind of key. So we've done that before. Her stalking. Uh, Alex said, uh, after a time, she began visiting me at my office and just sitting there, watching me work and the other people I was talking to. For some reason, she had a mindset that I was having an affair with a girl from my place of em employment, uh, in brackets said to be Moira Scott, but there was no truth in it at all. Uh, James McGibbon, who was his boss, said I had a great and professional respect for Mr. Yannigs, but from spring to summer 1968, it was apparent he was having great trouble with his wife. That's Nora. Everyone calls them because they're, they're basically like common law husband and wife. Uh, one of my staff told me that she, Mrs. Yannigs, i.e. Nora, had telephoned a junior, junior typist, a tall, pretty and very shy girl called Veronica, warning her to keep off Yannigs. Mrs. Yannigs used to come frequently to the office before close of work and sit in her husband's office to ensure, uh, so he told me, uh, that he did not go out with Veronica. Veronica was the last person in the world to be carrying on with a married man. Mr. Yannick's confided in me that he was having a very bad time with his wife, who was a most neurotic woman. Uh, he also said on three occasions he arrived at work with bruises, scratches and a black eye. Uh, Alec was often in the office wearing sunglasses uh, and he said it was his wife that did it. I think that's kind of it. I think that's kind of it. I don't want to go into that bit because that is, um, yeah. Let's go back and do the quiz questions and then we can do, um, and then next week we've got part four. Whoa, part four, brilliant. Part four, the, the final part. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay, so here's the answers to the questions. Let's see how many of them you got. Uh, question number one, what job, what job? I can't even read. My brain is gone. What was Alec Yannick's middle name? What was his middle name? It was Leonard, uh, although uh, listed as Leonid. Although there's multiple spellings of how he spells uh, Alexandrus. Alexandrus as well. Or sometimes it's Alexandrus. Uh, question number two. What job did his father do? He was a Latvian Air Force officer. Ooh, I might put the fire on tonight. It's a bit chilly. Question number three. What was uh, Alex's first known job in the UK? He was a miner. Uh, question number four. What was the newspaper which reported Ingrid's neglect of her children? It was the Birmingham Post. Question number five. What, what three foodstuffs were Ingrid and Alex's children said to be eating? They were potato peelings, cat food and dog biscuits. Question number six. What similar accident happened to Alex and Nora? Uh, they were both hit by a scooter. Although in different reports on this, it does say that a Alec uh, was driving a scooter. So um, it's hard to really... But either way, either way, a scooter was involved. He was injured. Uh, question number seven. What job did Alex do after he was registered disabled, but before he became a book editor? Uh, he was an assistant machinist at a printer's. Uh, question number eight: Nora attacked Alex because uh, attacked Alec because he had what hidden inside his books? Porn mags. Although he would say uh, in one of his statements, I've got it here somewhere. He said uh, it wasn't his; it was a mate's of his from Mansfield, and he his mate had put it in there, and he didn't know they were there. 
So there we go. And question number nine. What hospital was Alex's wounds treated at? Uh, well, the one we said in the episode was St. Mary's in Paddington. So that was the first one. <sighs> so I hope you enjoyed that, folks. If you, if you can really enjoy a, a podcast about someone being hor- hor- horrifically mutilated and uh, cut up and murdered. Horrible. Um, so, uh, yes. Next week is the final part. Uh, everything will be in there. Your everything you need to know is in there. All the details. So, um, so I hope you're enjoying it so far, and we will uh, dive into uh, more next week, which is the final part. I've just mentioned that. I know I just mentioned that. My brain is gone. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm looking to put the fire on. I want my curry. <sighs> I've got to do cleaning for PCAG. Oh, PCAG. Will you care if it's dirty? I mean, it's not dirty. It's just just a bit of a mess. <sighs> Maybe maybe I'll invite him in and just keep the lights off. Maybe that's the way around it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to do some cleaning. Okay, that's me done, folks. Hope you all enjoyed that. Have yourself a good week. Stay safe and be good. Lots of love, everyone. Uh... Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.